0: Instead, we are continuing our study uh, through the month of December, topical study, and uh, we've been talking about Jesus is the reason for the season. And um, uh, as you know, uh, we just finished up with Christmas, good celebration, I hope that you had a good week, good Christmas week, and so, um, you know what, I'm going to ask a Somebody to help me out. Who's got? Who's fast? Who's got quick legs? Seth, you look like you're on the back row back there. But man, he's like I was hoping he'd call on somebody else other than me. Um, Seth, if you wouldn't mind, go look in uh, the the printer. That's probably where it's hiding. Uh, I just I printed my sermon, and it didn't uh, get in my Bible. <laughs> I mean, we'll roll without it because it's you know it's, it's internalized, but. Uh, you know, I want you to, to hear the nice little illustration story, and I don't remember it. So. Uh, but anyways, we've been talking about Jesus being the reason for the season. We've had, uh, this is our fifth part. Oh, I almost stepped off there. Do you see that? Um, first part was Jesus' birth. And of course, when we think Christmas, that's what we think about. We uh, also uh, talked about uh, the life of Christ and how important the sinless life of Christ is for us. And then we talked about His death and how His death atones for our sins. And apart from the death of Christ, uh, we're paying for our own sins. And Christ came to die on our behalf to pay our sin debt. And so the death is very important. But most important beyond that is the resurrection of Christ. And that's what we talked about last week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because He has victory over the grave then we can also have confidence in that victory as well. We are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. And so we think about those four things, but I wanted to kind of close out the month, and what better time, right before the new year, to talk about the return of Christ. Guys, says, you know, Jesus Christ is very much alive, and He's very much coming back. And the first time He came, we think of the little baby in the manger. And we think about Jesus coming and full of truth and mercy and grace. And that he came to offer life. Couldn't find it, could you? That's all good. We'll roll with it. And so it ends up that Christ's first time coming, we think, you know, uh, just, just the love of Jesus and, and just you know, kind of almost a kumbaya. And, you, know, you hear that all the time. But do you know when he comes again, he's coming in wrath. He's coming in judgment. Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about that Jesus. Guys, you know you can't pick and choose the traits of God that you like, though that's what a lot of people do. Do you know that that's actually a breach of His commands? He says, have no other gods before me. Create no graven image, right? We're creating, in essence, an image that suits us. When we say, well, I I like the Jesus of the Bible who's this way. I think God is like this. Yeah, you're, you're, you're creating a God that suits you. Well, I don't think a loving God would send people to hell. Well, that might make you feel better, but that's not the God of Scripture. If He's a just God and a holy God, and mankind has sinned against an eternal being, there must be a punishment that's equivalent to fit the crime. And that's eternal judgment because you have sinned against an eternal being. And so it's vital that we understand the whole of Scripture. And that's why here we want to give you the whole gospel. We want to give you uh, the teaching, the whole counsel of God, not just parts that we like. And so today, as we continue to study Jesus' The Reason for the Season... I want us to focus on the return. And we'll unpack that a little bit. I'm not gonna go whole in depth. This is this is more of a kind of a survey uh, this morning, especially without my notes. (laughs) Anyway, um, but if you want to get a little more in depth on this return, I encourage you to come to Larry's Sunday School class. And uh, he's going through the book of uh, Revelation right now. And uh, I think you'll find that a very helpful, helpful study on this subject. But let's talk a little bit about this morning. If you got your Bibles, you can go to Luke uh, chapter 1. If not, it's up on the screen. Luke chapter 1, and we're in verse 30. I'll give you a little bit as you turn there. Give me a little sip of water. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Father, I pray that you will give recall this morning, that you will help me to focus on the truth of your Scriptures, that it will be plain, that it will go forth in your power. And Lord, I pray that you ready our hearts and our minds for your soon return. Lord, thank You for the grace and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Teach us now in His name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the prophecies of the return. When we go through the pages of Scripture from the beginning of the book all the way through, there's constant... Prophecies being given about the coming of Christ. The first advent as well as the second advent. This is part of the problem with the Jews missing the Messiah when He first came. You think about it. uh, As we reflect on Christ and the birth of Christ and the Christmas season, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah because He didn't fit who they believed He should be. They had read the pages of the Old Testament prophecies. They had read the Scriptures where it talked about a coming king, a conqueror. And so they assumed in Jesus' day, if He's the Messiah, He's going to overthrow Rome, and He's going to usher in the kingdom, and we're going to be victorious, and we're going to rule and reign. And they were expecting that to happen. And so when the suffering servant comes instead, they get a lamb, not the lion who they thought was coming. Guys, the lion is going to come. And he's coming in that next go-round. The next time that his feet touch the earth, it will be as a lion. A conquering lion. But the Jews missed that. And I think that's important as we will unpack shortly as we get into the plan of Christ's return, that we need to be careful too that we don't miss the twofold plan. We'll get there. Let's talk about some of these prophecies. Notice if you would first in this passage that we just looked at here in in Luke chapter 1. I find it interesting that the messenger who brought this message to uh, Mary, that she was with child... Anybody know who that was without reading? See, I'll give you all all the answers, man. It's an open book test. It's Gabriel. Well, let me ask you this. Those of you who've been in the Larry Sunday School class, when did Gabriel also deliver a message in the Old Testament? Anybody know when he was a messenger in the Old Testament? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Mueller. Daniel. Remember Daniel had been praying? And it's very interesting, and I know Larry's been doing this in a Sunday school class, when you go back and and Gabriel brings the message, you can actually go back into the Scriptures and you can find in the prophecies of Daniel, you can find where he actually lays out the appointed time that Christ would come, the first go-round. Literally, we can add up The days, and know the specific day, and it comes to the day on the triumphal uh, entry on the donkey into Jerusalem. That's pretty crazy. Right, Larry? We got that evidence, right? That's on our side, Christian. That's a prediction, a prophecy that was laid out hundreds of years before Jesus was even born on the earth. And yet, the timeline is laid out. And again, if you want to know more about this, check out his class. You get into this whole 70 weeks of Daniel, You know where this stopped, where it begins again, these type things. And that's important as we look to the return of Christ, understanding those prophecies of the Old Testament. Think of it this way. If you were in the Old Testament and you were on top of a mountain and you were looking out across to another plateau and you saw straight out there the other plateau, that would be, perhaps you see... Christ coming as a conquering king. But what you don't see is this valley in between, which represents the church age and the time period that we're in now. They didn't see that. They didn't understand that. And so you can can kind of somewhat sympathize, empathize that these Jewish people, when Jesus was there, well, this didn't fit their narrative because down here's the suffering servant. They didn't recognize all that must take place before that end comes. And so as we're reading through prophecies of the Old Testament, it's very important that we're careful to rightly divide the word of truth. That we see it in its entirety, not just in part. A lot of times in prophecies in the Old Testament, there would be a short-term fulfillment. In Deuteronomy 13, 18, we're told not to fear a prophet who speaks in the name of the Lord. If someone says, thus says the Lord... And it doesn't come to pass. Their prophecy in the short term is not fulfilled. We're not to fear them. It doesn't matter. Translation here, you go back and read it yourself. Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18. They get 99 of them right, but they miss one. They're not of God. God speaks truth in its entirety. This is the litmus test that we use also uh, when it comes to the door knockers of Jehovah's Witnesses or the willy poppers of the Mormons. I think they're using smart cars now, though. Saw a couple of them the other day. Anyway, same thing. <laughs> anyway, sorry for smart car lovers. But there are predictions and prophecies that have not come forth, guys, and they're not to be feared, they're not to be followed. And that's a biblical litmus test. And so, understanding prophecies uh, is very important. The messenger, Gabriel, uh, brings this message to Mary. And notice what he says. He says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The message. No end to the kingdom. You're gonna, he's going to sit on the throne of David. Now again, think about it. Israelites, they were waiting for someone to sit on the throne of David again, to rule and reign the earth. Did that happen in Jesus' first coming? Yes and no. Yes and no. What do I mean by that? Yes, not yet. (laughs) Let me explain how. Because, by the way, somebody could come to you and say, well, wait a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says this. Then comes the end. When He delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When He puts to an end. Puts an end to all rule and authority and power. Oh, I thought the... It wasn't going to end. Well, that passage says it's going to end. Don't let somebody try to twist the Scripture like that. Just say, get thee behind me, Satan. Maybe not, but you know, work with them a little bit. It's not going to come to an end. Guys, here's what began in the church age. When the gospel began to go forth, Christ began to expand the kingdom of God. And every heart that believes becomes a citizen of that kingdom to come. There is a present tense kingdom expanding in the world today, and that is the spiritual kingdom of God. It is growing. Believers are being added. Believers are being added. And one day, that which is unseen will manifest and be present on the earth. Christ will come back and establish the earthly kingdom, the earthly rule, the earthly reign. And it will continue for eternity. And so, as you look out across the stage, as you look out across the mountaintops, it's important that we see it in its entirety. Jesus came to reign, He came into the world, He offered His kingdom. But what did the Jews do? What did men do? What do men still do? They reject Him. They reject that offer. And so in that second coming, that second advent, when Christ comes in judgment, man will receive, in essence, what he wanted. 2 Thessalonians talks about that man is damned because they did not receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth. And it goes on and explains why. It says, because they had pleasure in unrighteousness and they would not come to the love of the truth. What does that mean? It means this. It means they love their sin more. More. You want to know why people will step into eternity? Why people will be condemned? Why people will be damned forever? It's because, quite frankly, they love their sin. Jesus came into the world. His own did not receive Him. Why? Because man loves darkness rather than light. Guys, this is when I had to get real with myself because I came out of the darkness. All right? unless any of you feel a little better about yourself, you too once were children of wrath, okay? You too once were disobedient children of darkness. I don't care where you were born. I don't care whose family you were in. You're part of the Adamic race. You too fall short of the glory of God. We all once walked in darkness, right? Until the glorious light of the gospel penetrated our hearts and our eyes are open and we become believers. We become followers of Christ. We are new creations. We're born again, and the life of Christ now dwells within us. But prior to that, man, I'm just being real with you. I love my sin. I was having pleasure in my sin for a season. For a season. And so when the end finally comes, guys, when the end finally comes, there's no one to blame but self. Self is the one who rejects the offer of grace. Self is the one who says, I just don't think that fits the God I know. But it's the God of Scripture. The prophecies. Jesus is coming back. He will establish His earthly kingdom. It will happen. Plenty of Old Testament scriptures that speak to this it will come to pass just as he said it will happen we've been talking in if you've been doing your quiet times recently we read through second samuel and we talked about um, King um, solomon solomon didn't take david's throne right and the sense of ruling reigning forever so we're talking about him Christ is in the lineage. There's so many uh, scriptures that, that, again, speak to the establishment of that kingdom that will come. And with every new believer, that kingdom is expanding, spiritually speaking, even now. But one day, physically upon earth, we'll get there. One scholar has estimated that there are over 300 separate prophecies related to the second coming of Jesus in the Bible. For every prophecy concerning the first coming of Christ, there are eight that look forward to a second. You think God wants us, church, to understand this? You think He wants us to be warning others? Because that's part of the New Testament. We are to warn others. We are watchmen on the wall. We are standing in the gap. It is our responsibility to tell other people because one day, literally, hell will break loose upon this earth. It will be like this world has never seen before. There will be tribulation, there will be trials, there will be earthquake, there will be fire raining down from the sky. There will be pestilence and disease and famine, and the seas will be filled with death, and the and the earth will be scorched with fire. One third. Guys, this is in the Bible. This is God's word. And I know right now, we don't like to talk about these things when life's good. But what if that's part of the delusion? To lull us. Oh, the enemy can't get your soul if you're a believer in Christ. You're sealed to the day of redemption. He can't get your soul, but man, if He could just weaken our witness, if He could just get us so comfortable that we don't warn others, that we don't talk to others. I don't want to infringe upon somebody. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable about it. I don't want to push my... That's a private matter. Let me tell you something. If your neighbor's house is on fire and you take that attitude, you're a lousy neighbor. Work with me for a second. Your neighbor's house is on fire. You see it. You know it. It's engulfed in flames. You recognize there's only one way out. There's only one way. And you know where that way is. Are you going to sit there and say, well, I just really don't want to be an inconvenience. They're probably sleeping. Don't want to wake them Man, I sure hope that we would do everything we could to yell, scream, beat on the door, do whatever was in your ability to cry out, to help them, to get them out of the burning flames. And that's what God says we're to do, guys. Church, it's time that we repent and be zealous for good works. And part of that is pulling some out by the mercy of God from those flames that are soon to quench We need to warn our neighbors. We need to share the good news of Christ while it's still good news. It is a sweet-smelling aroma of life to those who believe, but it is the stench of death to those who do not. And we have the responsibility to warn if those flames are too be quenched it's only by the grace of God the plan so let's get a little clarification again my intent today is not to go into a whole lot of depth on this though I will struggle not to I told Larry and Dean it's just you know when it's just hard for a Bible guy to not (laughs) go deep into the so anyway we'll just work with me here people we're gonna try and get through it the rapture or the glorious appearing it's important that we understand there's a difference Okay, Here at Community Baptist Church, we are pre-tribulationists. We believe in the rapture of the church. What does that mean? It means the snatching away. We believe that before the great wrath of God is poured out on the earth in judgment, the people of God will be snatched away. They'll be pulled out. They'll be plucked out. They'll be protected. Think of the first judgment on the earth, right? The floods came, and God pulled into the ark and closed the door so that no man could open it or shut it, right? Only God did that, right? And those that were in the ark were safe from the judgment that was going on in the world around them. Now some hold to that view that actually that we won't be taken out, that we'll be protected within. We're not one of those. And again, I I encourage us all to be students of the Word, and I continue to study this, all right? I'm not pretending like I've arrived on the end-time understanding, but I do believe scripture has laid out for us this, and if we study it, I, I believe the, the, the responsibilities on others to move us from this position, if that makes sense. I often said when I was in Bible college, I went to school, I, had a, I was a clean slate. I, did, I wasn't a Bible guy, I didn't know anything about the scriptures. And so, you know, mid trib, post trib, pre trib, you know, um, eat a rib, I don't know, you know, I was just whatever. But I I started looking into this, and I quickly, as a a student, began to say, you know what, this makes most sense. The pre-trib rapture view makes the most biblical sense. The rest, it took a little more gymnastics with the text to fit. But again, I remain a student, and I want to remain a student, especially in the area of something that has not yet happened. With that said, the rapture or the glorious appearing, let's take a look. So, we're going to come off the stage a little bit. May not get back up, but we're going to sit right here. I know I'm going to probably be out of the picture frame, but that's okay. They don't want to see my ugly mug, no eye. All right, here we go. Um, if you'll notice on the screen, if I can get this pointer to work. There we go. All right, so right here is where we are, Christian. This is the church age. We are living in the time of grace right now. This is where we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in hopes that people will come to saving faith in Christ and be saved. And there is a coming of the Lord where He will not touch down on the ground, but we will go to meet Him in the air. That's called the rapture. That's when the church is taken up. And again, 1 um, Thessalonians, good uh, Scripture reference. There's many passages. Again, I know Larry going through the book of Revelation. It's very interesting that like the first uh, four chapters, you have the church, and then after chapter 4, boom, you don't see the church at all. And again, some have said, well, it's because now that the, the focus goes to the, uh, to the Jewish nation again as a whole. Romans talks about... How the when he talks about the, the uh, wild branch being grafted in the natural branch was the Jews and when the Jews rejected their Messiah Jesus the vine they were broken off and that the wild branch the Gentiles was grafted in but he gives a warning he says but don't think there won't come a time where they can also be broken off and the other branch grafted back in Jesus warned he said there's coming he said when the times of the Gentiles comes to an end. Well, that tells you right there, the times of the Gentiles is going to come to an end. There's going to be a closing point to the get in the ark. The ark is Christ. There's coming a close to that entry. And so, that's here. And so the church is taken out. Now, I will clarify on that. There will still be those saved, countless numbers saved, in what we know as the Great Tribulation Period. And that's seven years upon the earth. There will be countless saved here. Most of those being Jewish. Because 144,000 preachers are going to go out called of God because they're going to begin to recognize that when the church is gone, those who believed in Jesus Christ, now the message that Christ was the Messiah is going to start ringing pretty true into the ears of some folk. But most folks, absolutely not. In fact, Thessalonians warns that that God will send a strong delusion. That's interesting phraseology. God will send the strong delusion that they will believe a lie. And again, like I said a while ago, it's because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, their sin, darkened heart, will just grow darker. They wanted nothing to do with your gospel that you shared. They're not going to want anything to do with it when you're gone. In fact, they're going to rejoice they're going to think that God took you out, you haters. And we're quickly seeing that kind of mentality being put upon us today, aren't we? And so that time will come. And so what will happen is, in that tribulation period, there will be three and a half years. And about halfway through the first three and a half years, again, we're gone. The church, the believer's out of here. We go to meet Christ in the heaven. We, we're having a party. It's in the Scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Read it. We're, we're there having a big, big festival, big, big dinner time, right? And so, meanwhile, back on earth, the Antichrist has come on the scene. And the false prophet. And no doubt they're explaining what happened to all you folks. And they're given the ability to do lying wonders and miracles. And even the believers that are being saved, that are hearing the preaching of the 144,000 Jews, they're saying, you know, repent, repent, receive Christ, repent. Even those believers, it says in Scripture that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. If these days didn't get shortened, in other words, if Christ didn't come back the second coming and step down on the ground and clean house, even those elect that are saved here would begin to believe those lies. That's how powerful... So so don't anybody... Some people i have heard people say, well, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait then. When the church is gone, I'm going to know, and so I'm just going to get saved. No, you're not. In fact, there's some theological debate as to if that's even possible. And I would imagine if you were to ask one of those guys that was beating on the outside of the ark when judgment came they'd probably give you another answer. You better get your heart right now. Because, guys, it's coming. It's coming. And when it comes, it's here. And it's done. And so, that's not worth the rolling of the dice. If you know and understand the illumination of the gospel, your heart has been, has been kind of tasted the goodness of God, don't reject that. And so seven years of tribulation, the first three and a half years, peace, peace, peace. In fact, throughout those Old Testament prophecies, go through and read it. All throughout it, it says, oh, there's going to be these, these deceivers. There's going to be those false Christs. There's going to be all these people. And they're going to be preaching the same message, peace. Oh, finally, we got peace. Those Christians are gone. You know, we can all kumbaya now. We get along now, you know. And, and, and it's just this, the, he that letteth let no more. The Holy Spirit, in the sense of the influence of the church, is not present. Now, the Holy Spirit is present in drawing men through the gospel, but they're going to still be rejecting it because they're hardened in their hearts and they're darkened and they're being deceived because they have pleasure in unrighteousness. And so, three and a half years, and then the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist finally shows his true colors. He goes into the temple, which has been rebuilt. And he reveals himself for who he really is. And then the wrath of God comes. And you'll see this again, the, the hilarious class, the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgment, all the stuff that's going to unfold, you, you want to be a part, uh, don't want to be a part of that, but you want to be a part of this class. <laughs> so you're not a part of that. But anyway, come check it out. And, and so the great tribulation, three and a half years, begins and it's, The Bible says, like the earth has never seen before. Because you turn on your news today, there's some bad stuff happening. Earthquakes, tsunamis, thousands being wiped out. I mean, there's some pretty bad stuff that goes on in our world. And the Scriptures say, like, never before. People will be hiding. Kings and leaders will be hiding in the clefts of the rocks crying out for for, "Hide, hide us from Him. It's the great day of the Lord. His judgment has come. Hide us from Him. It's not a scene that we like to talk about or think about. But God has said it will happen. And His judgment is being poured out upon a sinful world. That's what's to come. And so, then it brings us to the second coming. And again, these are some things in Scripture that that we have to discern the difference. The rapture, it speaks of us meeting Him in the air. But the second coming speaks of Him stepping down on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14, this is one of the ones I like to, to use with Jehovah's Witnesses when they come to my house and knock on my door. They don't come too often, usually once. Um, and I will usually share with them. i say, well, you know, who do you think is coming back for you one day? Because I know what they're going to say. They think Jesus, who they believe is a created being, who they believe is an angel. They say, well, Jesus is going to come back one day instead of... I say, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I believe that too. I believe Jesus is coming back too. Zechariah 14 speaks to the point of, in that day, Armageddon, that great battle is assembled, that Jesus is going to come down and decimate everything. Interesting thing is, if you go to Zechariah 14, it says, in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will split the mountain. I said that word used there is the word Lord, Jehovah. Uh, They get a little antsy then because they don't believe Jesus is Jehovah. They don't believe Jesus is Lord. They don't believe he is God. And so usually that ends the conversation. Guys, here's the point. Jesus Christ is coming back. And on the second coming, we come with Him. And again, when you read through the Scriptures, you'll see this. It says that His Holy Ones come with Him, His saints coming with His saints. That's us. So we can't be coming with Him and going up at the same time. So again, there are some clear scriptural differences you've got to work through um, in order to understand the rapture of the church and then us coming back with Him at the end of the great wrath upon the earth, the great tribulation period. As I said, many will be saved during this time. Many who are born during this time will, when Christ comes, and by the way, all these armies have gathered, armies from the north coming down on Jerusalem. It's it's very interesting. China, Russia, oh, they're in an end-time scenario. You better believe it. They're part of the ones who are going to gather. By the way, who's getting picked on all the time in the news? Israel, right? Well, you got to scratch your head and wonder, why is that so? Well, we know why so. We know why. They've all amassed their great armies. They're coming in together, man. This is Armageddon. This is the battle. This is the end all. This is, this is it. Well, what they don't realize is, yeah, this is it. Because this is when Christ comes and He will step upon the Mount of Olives. He will speak and decimate. And they will just, I mean, he's, you talk about, wow. Remember when they came to take him the first time and he said something and they all fell back? (laughs) Yeah, you, you, you wait. We'll be with him. And then that begins what we know as the millennial kingdom. That prophecy we read in Luke that Gabriel told them. He will rule and reign on this earth, the throne of David the nation of Israel as a whole has repented and recognized. The Bible says they will look upon Him whom they pierced. They will realize Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so at that time begins the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign. And the Bible says that we will rule and reign too. Do you know, Saint, you'll have a territory? Randall might be like, Lord of LaGrange. I am the procurator here. I will have rule over all of you. No, it's not quite like that, but... Nothing <laughs> will <change>. but yeah. <laughs> For those of you not uh, aware of what he just said, he said nothing will change. Okay. <laughs> but a lot will change because, again... Like Christ, think about when Christ walked through walls, you know, in the, in the, in when they were all disciples after His resurrection. I mean, you have that ability, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy cool to think about something. Because, again, you've got people who lived through this time period. Kids who were born and survived the worst upon the worst upon the earth because of the grace of God. And they will be ushered into this new millennial kingdom. This is where the lion lays down with the lamb. This is where you can take up a snake and they won't bite you. Oh man, Sarah, you're gonna love that pet, ain't you? And she she loves pets. She's the a, a future veterinarian. But anyway, you'll be able to take up a snake. Don't try that until then. And, uh, and and so things like that, dude, it's 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 in the scriptures. It's going to happen. At the coming, second coming, again, the false prophet, the antichrist, are destroyed. Casting and and, and uh, Satan is chained in uh, darkness for a thousand years. He's held in bondage. Sent to a, um, I guess you could say, any, uh, a time out from God. <laughs> That's pretty bad, right? And you say, well, why is, he, why is he not destroyed there? Because again, there are many who will be born during the millennial kingdom. There will be people who physically were still alive when, when we came back. Many who, will, who will procreate through here. And even in a perfect state, just like in the beginning of time, in a perfect state... People will still have a choice, and some will still, in a perfect state, reject Christ. And that'll be right here near the end for a very short, and then it'll be snuffed out. And then that's when Satan's released and Satan's cast into the lake of fire. The dead are raised, those that uh, did not trust Christ, there's final judgment, and again, cast into the lake of fire. Hell and death are cast into the lake of fire. And this is the no more tears, no more... So all of that is done, and then it's eternity future. A new creation of the earth, paradise lost, paradise restored in the sense, new heaven, new earth, recreated. Never to experience sin again. This is the timeline that will unfold. Everything that God has said has happened. There is nothing left on the timetable that needs to happen for the rapture. Nothing. Which means it could happen at any moment. The early disciples knew this. That's why when you read through the New Testament pages, they were expecting it. That's what Thessalonians, he's like, look, I know some people are scaring you that maybe it's already took place. It's not happened yet. Here's what's going to happen before. And so they're kind of laying out, you know, helping them understand. You're not going to miss it, okay, if you're a believer. That's next. The Scripture does give us signs for this generation. In fact, I believe this generation is going to Notice those signs because, uh, again, even when you look at Matthew 24 and Jesus is talking to His disciples and He's kind of laying out some things, again, He's speaking predominantly to, to the people of this time period, to the Israelites, and, and those, there's going to be signs. Like the fig tree, He talked about that. When you see this and this and this happening, know that this is just the beginning of birth pains. Just the beginning of birth pains. And this is where the boom, full delivery is going to happen right there. the second advent, second coming in that sense of judgment. And so, again, important that we understand these various things. I probably spent more time there than I should have, but I want that to be understood. 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in Him. When He appears, we may have confidence, not be ashamed. Not be ashamed um, at, at His coming. You know, even at, when we go for the, uh, the Lamb's Feast up there, we're having our little wedding party. The bride, the church, and the groom, Jesus, are together in celebration. And, and, and when I think about the time that we stand at the, at the Bema seat, when, we, when the rewards are given out, you know, it's kind of like the Olymp- Olympics. You got the gold, the silver, and the bronze, okay? I imagine the guy on the bronze is thinking, man, I was this close to having gold. Not in an envious way, but probably in a self, ah, I should have, could have, would have. Larry, we've talked about this. I think there might be some tears there. I think a lot of us will recognize in, in that day, oh, I should have said something to my neighbor. That coworker, worker is not here. I, I, I probably should have, I know I should have. I think there'll be a level of that. And that's why it's important that we read prophecy and we understand this because how then shall I live today? How should we live if we know this is happening? How should we live if we know this day is coming and this day is coming? It should change how we live. It should change how we think. The original of not be ashamed is not stand disgraced. Many Christians who are now regarded as fine believers are going to stand disgraced before the Lord. When the secrets will be revealed, and it will be seen that secretly they indulged in things and practices displeasing to the Saviour who brought them with his who bought them with his own blood, the brethren missionary Herald. Now again, guys, yes, our sins are forgiven, and I know they're cast as far as the east is to the west. And so I understand that there's there's a level here that, that's beyond us in understanding but we will give an account for every word. It says even idle, even every idle word. You know, sometimes you know the, the praying language. Mm, mm, yeah. What does that mean? Mm, mm, mean something? Mm, yes, amen, amen. That's what it usually means, right? Eat mama's cooking. Mm, that means something. That's good. Eat mama's food. Mm, that ain't good. And it ain't good for you if you said that. I'm <laughs> just saying, I know how it is in my house. Okay. No, my kids never say that. <laughs> Only when Daddy's cooking. What about the preparation? Church, we need to be prayerful. Look real quick. 1 Peter 4. Everybody go there. We'll finish this up. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayer. Church, you want to be prepared? God's given us some some ideas here on how to be prepared for His return. Be watchful, be prayerful. We also see uh, to be faithful. Hebrews 10, go there. I know this is a favorite passage that y'all just love for your pastor to quote. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Uh, Actually, let's go 24, 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, I know it's easy in a busy life to neglect our gathering. I understand that. But I also understand that as we understand this truth of the day of the Lord approaching is closer now than when this was written, there's a responsibility for us to do as God has asked if we want to be prepared and that is not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together be faithful be faithful to the things of God be faithful to the people of God the house of God and be patient James real quick last one and we'll close it out James chapter 5 Verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Guys, the coming of the Lord is near. And regardless of your eschatological view, end times view, regardless of your view of the end times, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, amillennialist, post-millennialist, whatever. We keep going for days on on the different categories of those theologians who want to put forth the end time scenario. Regardless of your view... Jesus Christ is coming again. And the earth was destroyed the first time with water and the next time it will be destroyed with fire. Are you ready? And if you're not in the ark, if you're not in Christ, there will be no escape of that day of wrath to come upon this earth. And so in this Time of church age, I plead with you while the grace of God is at hand that you hear the voice of the Lord and that you return to Him, that you humble yourself before a mighty God. Acknowledge your sin and put your faith, your hope, your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ from the cradle to the cross. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's coming again. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, I pray in this time of invitation that our hearts would be open before You and recognize, Lord, that whether it's in the rapture of the church or whether it's in the second coming and judgment. There's a day of reconciling. There is a day that will happen. There is a day that will come. You've said it. And that settles it. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today, anyone watching, anyone listening, that has not come to that point of repentance and faith in Christ, I pray, Lord, please, by the grace of that you've offered through your son Jesus Christ, through the love, the cords of love that pulleth the heart to call them to repentance, I pray today would be that day of salvation. You said in your word that in the last days many will mock about the coming of Christ and His return. Where is He? Where is He? And yet you said it would be like in the day of Noah. And you reminded us that you are not slack when it comes to your promises, as some would count slackness. God, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And yet, man will reject the offer that's given. Lord, I pray if there's someone today standing there in the, in the moment of decision, that they would not reject the spirit of God's wooing, that they would not reject that grace that pulls at their heart, but they would respond in saving faith, that they would turn from their sin trust Christ today as their Lord and Savior and Lord may we rejoice in knowing that salvation belongs to the Lord before the foundation of the world you knew them and so Lord I pray that today they know you they understanding the light would come on that they would have faith in Christ alone and we'll thank you Lord For those of us who are believers who may be strayed, Lord, revive us. Ignite within us the zeal again to return to You, to do those works prior to Your coming. You've created us to do as believers. And we'll thank You, Lord. And we'll give You the praise because You alone are worthy. In the mighty name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Guys, we invite you back tonight and ask you to invite a friend, bring a neighbor, someone. Uh, movie night tonight, we'll have popcorn. Uh, it'd be uh, Bring some snacks as well. It'll be a good time. Uh, again, if you haven't seen the movie, I can only imagine it's an excellent movie. Even if you've seen it, it's worth seeing it again and again. Uh, so come on back in here tonight and it'll be a, just a, a real good, good evening for us. Uh, continue to pray for the Deck family as they're in, getting a little r and a little rest and relaxation, uh, last one of the year. And uh, we uh, pray for uh, their safe return. Look forward to getting them back this week as well and trust that they're having a, having a good time. So um, at this time, I'm going to ask Mark Gentry to close us in prayer, and you are free to go.